And this will be the sign to you. A verse found in Luke. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Isaiah, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. I'm using this cordless in case I have to do some coughing. I'll just do that. Uh, two weeks ago, we did a message t- uh, on the signs of Christmas. The signs of Christmas. And I will try to be as brief as I can this morning, but there is some more thoughts that I wanted to get out this morning. Before we give our lives to this infant baby, this baby Jesus, what we talked about a couple weeks ago is, are there any signs, are there any proofs, are there any evidences that Jesus really is the Son of God, that Jesus really is who he said he would be? Do we have any signs, do we have any proofs, do we have any evidences that What we talked about last time, that an omnipotent God sent his one and only son to earth in the form of a baby. This infant was all human yet all divine. Now, I'm going to read this again. I want you to look at this from the the perspective as though you weren't raised in church. Most of us here are church people. We grew up in church. These were things that we're used to hearing. But think about it from the perspective as though you've never heard these kind of things before. And so do you really believe, again, that God sent his one and only son to earth in the form of a baby? That this infant was all human, yet all divine. This baby would live a sinless life, die on a cross, claiming to pay the penalty for your sins and my sins and the sins of all humanity. Three days after his death, he would rise again. His death and resurrection gives us victory over death, hell, and the grave. I mean, this really is the message behind Christmas, is it not? And do we really believe that? Look at some of the things that Jesus himself even claimed about himself. He said that he was a prophet. He claimed that he could forgive people of their sins called himself the Messiah and the Son of God. And get this next one. He said that he was even without sin. Can you imagine if someone today tried to say that about themselves, that they were without sin? He claimed to be divine, and he claimed that he was even able and he would defeat death. Not only did he claim to know the a way that everyone should go, he claimed that he was the way, the truth, in the life. Now, what do you think would happen if someone in our society today rose up and claimed all of those things that I just talked about? The, uh, the, the news channels would, would say this is a lunatic. You know, who is this guy? Who does this guy think he is? But there is one thing that we all would say if someone today claimed these things. We would say, prove it. Right? We would say, prove it. And coincidentally, if you look through scriptures, this is all the religious leaders did to Jesus. Just time after time, prove, give us a sign, give us, give us some kind of a simple evidence that you, you, know, you really are who you say you are, or that you're able to do all of these things. But here is the bottom line, not just for the Christmas story, but for this whole Jesus thing. 
Jesus is either who he and others have said he is, or he's the biggest fraud and con man that the world has ever known. It's, it, it's either, either or. And either way, you and I and all of humanity, we have a choice to make. We're either going to believe or we're not going to believe. Two weeks ago, we set out to see if there were any signs of Christmas, proofs that Jesus truly was and is who he said he was. We looked at these different areas. We looked at the different prophecies. If you remember that we just looked at 17 of the 48 Messianic prophecies. There's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. But just taking 17 of the 48 that were fulfilled in Jesus, the things like he would be born in Bethlehem, he would be born of a virgin, things like that. You took 17 of those 48 prophecies and it says, what's the law of probability that it all would pertain to one man in history? If you weren't here, the law of probability that those prophecies would be just to one man was, I think, 480 billion times a billion times one trillion. Just for one person. That's just 17 out of the 48. We looked at archaeology. And the proofs that they're finding that back up the word of God. We looked at the accuracy of the Bible and all the manuscripts that they had down through the years. There is support from non-biblical writers, the historians like Josephus, that talk about Jesus and his life. And the miracles that Jesus performed. We talked about the miracles of Jesus himself. And the miraculous events of the nativity story. Now, while all of these proofs in and of themselves are rather amazing, there's really only one ultimate sign of Christmas that can prove the validity of it all. You see, the sign of Christmas, or the signs of Christmas, they're not found in knowing about prophecies. They're not found in knowing about archaeology, or they're not found in the accuracy of the Bible or the miracles of Jesus. It's experienced in what I would tell you, I would reveal to you today. You see, the ultimate sign that Christmas is true and that it's real is you. I don't think you quite got that, so that's why I'm going to preach this message. The ultimate sign that Jesus is really who he said he would be is you. The sign is within you. You possess the sign. It's so simple yet profound. What do I mean? Every human being has the ability to believe. Everyone is capable of putting their just getting started. No, I'm not. Everyone has the ability to believe, to put their faith and their trust in something or someone. In this case, whenever someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they become the ultimate sign, the ultimate proof that Christmas is true. Maybe you think this is a little anticlimactic, especially for a Sunday morning, Christmas Day, Sunday morning service. But I tell you, there is no greater proof of Christmas than a heart that has been transformed by this baby, Jesus Christ. 
Acts 16.31, and they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Romans 10.10, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved, just to name a few. By believing and our believing in our life, it's proof that Christmas is true. Look, I can be an apologetic expert at all those things we just talked about. And all those fields that we just talked about, prophecies and archaeology and all that. But they do nothing to change the heart. All they do is just inform the mind. Only the change, only Jesus Christ and faith and believing in Jesus and giving, her, giving him your entire life, which is your gift back to him, only that can bring about a radical change inside, which becomes a proof and a sign that Christmas is real. What do I mean? Let me give you an example. My dad worked with a man at Weir and Steel years, years ago. His name was Herman Fiscus. Herman Fiscus. Herman Fiscus was a foreman at the steel mill. Steel mill. Steel mill. Say that five times real fast. Steph, stop laughing at me. I've got a cold. I have an excuse. <laughs> Dad said he remembers Herman in the mill, and Herman was one of these tough guys that you would think about who would work and be a foreman. Um, he would just as soon yell at you or swear at you as, as anything. Uh, turns out that for years he was stealing from Weir and Steel. He had a little deal on the side with the security to where if he did things for them, they would turn their back as he stole from the steel company. For years this was happening, and his garage was just being stockpiled with things from the mill. Somehow, some way, and as you know, sin always finds you out, he got busted. And the company was in the process of prosecuting him, but they wanted him to take a polygraph test in Pittsburgh at one of the, at the, one of the uh, buildings down there. And Dad said the story goes that as Herman was sitting there in the waiting area of this, of this business place look, waiting to take the polygraph test, he knew that he was going to be busted. And he knew that he was probably going to go to jail. And he knew about the Lord. He knew about Jesus Christ. He had some teaching as he was a kid growing up. And right there in the waiting room, in the waiting area of that business building, Herman Fiscus gave his life to Jesus Christ. A wonderful salvation story. Some of you may say, well, anybody can give that kind of, a, of repentance, that kind of a conversion story, right? God uh, had mercy on him, and I believe he ended up losing his job, but they did not prosecute. He ended up not going to jail. Years later, though, Dad said he saw Herman, and Herman, again, was one of these guys that just were very careful even going up to him. When Dad saw him again for the first time years later, Dad uh, went up to him to shake his hand, and, and Herman just shoved his hand away and just embraced him and gave him the biggest hug. And you could tell there was something different about Herman Fiscus. His life had been radically changed by Jesus Christ. And you see, Herman Fiscus became a sign of Christmas. 
See, that's how my weird pastor preacher mind works. But he became a sign of Christmas. They're not here this morning, but I think of Jesse Nichols. When Jesse Nichols made the decision to place his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and get radically changed and saved by Jesus, and he stopped the generational sins that had taken place in his family life, Jesse Nichols became a sign of Christmas. He became proof, living proof, that this little baby indeed is changing hearts and lives. But this sign is more than a one-time conversion event, church. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're also giving him your past, you're giving him your present, and you're giving him your future. All of which are opportunities to be signs of Christmas. Look at some of the characters in the Nativity story. Look at Mary. Some experts believe that she could have been as young as 12 or 13 years of age. Out of the blue, an angel shows up on her doorstep and tells her that she was going to be with child. She was obviously curious about how this would be, for she had never known a man. But the angel told her that it would be through the Holy Spirit. Now, had it been us, or if you would have asked me, what do we expect of this young, young girl? I would have expected her to struggle with the decision. She had every right to argue her case. She was young. She had her whole life in front of her. She was engaged to be married to Joseph, someone who was a carpenter, who was going to be able to provide her with a great living, stability. And now this was going to change everything. She was going to be embarrassed. How is all this going to look? She was a child, practically a child herself, and now she's going to have a child? Are you kidding me? But instead, what do we see is her immediate reaction. Church, instead of fighting it, she believed and she accepted it. Later on, Elizabeth, her cousin who was carrying John the Baptist in her womb, later on, Elizabeth said that God had honored her faith. And he, she said this in Luke 145, Blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. You see, Mary's faith, backed up by obedience, is a sign of Christmas. You've heard me say, and others, others say, faith is not faith unless it's backed up by action. You can say that you have all the faith in the world, but if your life, that's what the book of James is really teaching about, if your life does not back up to prove it. You have no faith. What about Joseph? When Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he had to have been, you just fill in the blank, confused, angry, upset, embarrassed. How on earth could this be happening? According to tradition, he knew what he had to do, but it all changed that night when he was visited by Gabriel in a dream. You know the story. We know that the angel told him to not be afraid to take Mary as his wife, for indeed, as she tried to tell him, indeed, the child that was within her was not of a man, but of the Holy Spirit. Now, what would we have expected him to do? Question it, fight it, say, do you really expect me to believe that, Mary? But instead, not only did he believe, but his actions backed up his faith. How do we know that? 
when he actually took Mary as his wife, seeing the child within her grow. He cared for her. He loved her. He provided for her. All of it was a reflection of the faith that he made inside. His life of obedience. See, he didn't know what was going to happen in front of him, but he obeyed anyways. You see, his life of faith and obedience became a sign of Christmas. You see, this little baby Jesus was already changing hearts and lives. Let me transition just a little bit here to where most of us probably live on a daily basis. I know some of you are living in this place right here and right now. What about those times of crisis? Those times of indecision when God may want us to act, but we're waiting for a sign We're waiting for God to just write it on the wall so we can see what he wants of us. If I were to ask for a show of hands, there would probably be many of you right now that are saying that's me. I believe the ultimate sign of Christmas for a believer doesn't require a sign at all. What do I mean? You don't have to turn there, but let me set this up. There's a story in the third chapter of 2 Kings. Tells a story about two kings. King Jehoram, he was the king of Israel. He was an evil, he was a wicked king. His father was wicked king Ahab. So he got it honestly, I guess you could say. So that's the first king. The other king was was King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. He was a righteous king. King Jehoram asked King Jehoshaphat if he would join him to go into battle against the, the Moabites. And in addition to the battle that was looming, just hang in there with me because this will come around to Christmas. In addition to that, says that they traveled seven days to the battlefield, but they went seven days with no water. Now just imagine that. Seven days in the wilderness on the way to the battlefield, no water. And we're told that uh, their soldiers and their horses were struggling. King Jehoshaphat, being a righteous man, looked at King Jehoram and he said, Is there any way that we can inquire of the Lord? We need to know if he's going to provide for us. We need to know if if there's going to be water, if we're going to win this battle. They found out that the great prophet Elisha was in the area, so they said, Let's go see him and see what he has to tell us. Now, there are many layers to this story, but in order to make my point and to keep things moving, let me just read and listen to what Elisha told these kings would take place. I forgot to do that. Here we go. And he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley. Now, remember, there was no water. There's a drought in the area. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord. But this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals. But this is only a simple thing for the Lord. For he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. And verse 20 says, The next day, at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. Again, some of you are curious, Pastor Brock, how on earth does this have anything to do with the Christmas story? 
in essence, it plays into what exactly, exactly what I'm trying to communicate this morning. And it's this statement right here. Real faith does not require a sign, but obedience followed by action. Got that? Real faith. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Christmas morning, you probably have activities with your family. Maybe you've already opened gifts. Maybe you're going to open gifts. But someone needs to hear that. Real faith does not require a sign, but obedience followed by action. And here it is. Even in the face of seemingly impossible scenarios. You see, God said that he would deliver the Moabites as well as provide water. But notice what they had to do first. If you went back and read that, they had to dig the ditches first. Right? They had to go into action first. They had to act. They had to dig the ditches in preparation. Their faith produced action, which is what God needed in order to work. Listen, to human reason, what God was promising seemed impossible. But without any sound, without a sign, and from sources invisible and seemingly impossible, they dug their ditches and water flowed the entire night. Until every hole was filled. Let me read that again. To human reason... What God was promising seemed impossible, but without any sound, but without a sign, without it being written on the wall from God and from sources invisible and seemingly impossible, they dug their ditches and the water flowed the entire night and by the next morning every hole was filled. Like the unbelievers in in the time of Jesus when they asked him for a sign, even those of us who call ourselves believers seem to always desire some outward sign before we'll act. Many times we're not convinced of the genuineness of God's promises without some visible manifestation. We just spent two weeks or uh, two months not long ago talking about the lessons from these people here, from the Israelites and the Red Sea. If you recall, God told Moses and the Israelites to move first before he divided the water, before the water was just a, a wall of water on the right and the left. He told Moses, he said, why are you complaining to me? Why are you here before me? Just tell the Israelites to move forward. Before I do anything, I need to see your faith. I need to see action and motion. Then he divided the waters for the children of Israel and for us. The greatest victory of faith is to stand on the shore of the impassable Red Sea without any sign or sound, and step forward. You see, the ultimate sign of Christmas at work in our life is digging our ditches, is taking that first step toward the sea in expectation that God will come through. Even though we see no sign, we see no wind, we see no rain, even though the vast sea lies before us. For believers, our life is all about faith, which becomes a sign and a proof of Christmas. Look, she's here this morning. 
And I, I thought of a couple people. I see this example in someone like Marion Shoup. She's had many difficulties in her life. She's had many physical struggles in her life. But as she continues to press on, every time I talk to Marion, she says, I'm just going to keep going, Pastor Brock. I'm just going to keep going. He's my only hope. Jesus is your only hope, isn't he, Marion? Every day. As she continues to press on, as she continues to come to church as often as her body permits, each time she testifies to God's goodness, Marion Shoup becomes a sign of Christmas. Think of Reuben back there. Reuben's here this morning. They just, they prove my point. Reuben, I appreciate every time you come to church, your attitude is wonderful. Your spirit is wonderful. Every day he gets up struggling to breathe. Not knowing what the next day is going to hold. Not knowing when he's going to have to go back to the VA clinic in Cleveland. But every day that he decides to get his tank and move forward, to come to church, to be faithful to the Lord, to have a positive attitude, I'm telling you, he is becoming a sign of Christmas. Because the baby that has come into the world through Christmas has radically changed Reuben Mollett's life. The single mom who sees more money going out than coming in, yet continues to tithe because she believes in the Lord her God. She believes in Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. That single woman becomes a sign of Christmas. Mandy, come on up and singers and whoever else is going to play and I told you I was going to be quick. This is just where this message took my heart and my mind this morning. As they're coming up, look at the Christmas tree that's up on the stage. Is there any more of a symbol of Christmas in today's society than the Christmas tree? You look at it and it immediately just speaks of Christmas. The lights, the needles, the greenery, the the ornaments. You look at that and you immediately think, oh, that's Christmas. But I'm telling you, it's just a mere reflection. It's just symbolic of the true message. What am I trying to say? Just take an ornament over there. Take the gold one. This just speaks of Christmas and this ornament. You look at it and it says, this is, this is the sign. Of, this is a symbol of Christmas. But I'm telling you that every time that someone, for the first time, by faith, accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and he radically changes their life. Second Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things have passed. All things have become new. That person becomes an ornament. Becomes a sign of Christmas. Believer, you're facing some difficult days ahead. You're facing some decisions that you don't know what God wants of you. But yet you may be sensing he wants you to step out. You may be sensing that he wants you to dig a ditch in preparation. You don't know what he's going to do, but you know he's going to do something. 
he wants you to take that first step into the sea before he divides the water. When you do that by faith, when you act without having a sign, without having a proof, without having it being written on the wall, you become an ornament and you become a sign. Proving to those around you that Jesus really is who he said he would be. So on this 25th day of December, I encourage you to go out and be a sign for the whole world to see. We're getting ready to sing, O come all ye faithful, and that's the key. O come all ye faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. As you live a life of faith, trust, and obedience, you'll be proof. You'll be evidence that Jesus really is who he said he would be. Be that sign that people can look at and say, the Christmas story is true. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Father, we know that the religious leaders often asked your son, show us a sign. Show us something that proves that you are who you say you are. Father, all that your son had to do was just point to those whose lives he's changed. Point to those whose lives have been radically changed, not just physical and the physical healings, but those whose sins have been forgiven. Their lives were never the same again. Father, the Samaritan woman, she went back to her town and she said, Come, come and see. Come and talk to the man who told me everything about myself. Come and see this man who has radically changed my life. She became a sign of Christmas, the proof and the evidence. Lord, may we all be that. May people from this day forward and for the rest of our lives look at our lives and say, Wow, there's something different about those people. Lord, thank you for this day. I know that many have already had some precious time with family before we came to church. May today be a day filled with worship and celebration, enjoying family, enjoying, Lord, the things that we can enjoy and have fun with. But, Lord, may we not forget that it is about you and that we'll continue to be faithful, a visible, living proof, a living sign that you are God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.